Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valerie Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. We are um, rolling into the last week of October. I was going to jump to the first week of November, but we're not quite there yet, and I won't race Halloween out the door um, before Thanksgiving shows up. But I've already seen Catherine. I've seen Christmas trees set up and in the stores. And I'm like, well, should I buy lights yet? But I can't bring myself to do it. So <laughs> that's good. We need to let Halloween have its moment, let Thanksgiving have its moment, and then we can have Christmas. Not that I don't love Christmas, but let's just, let's slow the roll here a little bit, people. Yep. Well, and I'm, I'm enjoying still the fall colors that are around mm-hmm. here. Um, but To get into this week's episode, um, we have a special guest with us. She was actually our very first guest, if I remember correctly, um, way back two years ago. And so we're excited to have Miss Kara Smith back with us. Um, She's owner and founder of Colorado Craft Beef. And so I'll let her do a quick introduction of herself. And thanks, Kara, for joining us this week. Thanks for having me, ladies. Uh, especially having me back. So I'm excited to be back on. Uh, as far as a, a kind of a, a base overview of, of Kara Smith, uh, my husband lovingly refers to me as a cow nerd, and that probably sums up a lot of my uh, <laughs> background, education, um, and my current endeavors. Uh, basically, anything that has to, has to do with cattle is kind of where you'll, you'll find me. Uh, I'm a fifth-generation rancher based in Northeast Colorado, uh, we, we primarily run stocker feeder cattle, um, primarily in the stocker segment in the yearling operations. And then um, we also have our own direct to consumer beef business. And, you know, basically anything that kind of in, involves uh, beef cattle. And at the end of the day, you know, putting a, a good steak uh, on the table. Well, great. And we always love a good steak. So we're um, excited to have you. Um, we kind of want to dive into sustainability um, and we'll stick with the beef sector since that's what you're most familiar with. And since you're, you're kind of a, a cow nerd, um, how, how do you define sustainability for your operation and for maybe the beef industry as a whole? So I feel we could just back into a more general definition of sustainability. And, and if you want to look at from a high level, I'd say that sustainability is doing right by everyone today to make sure the future will be bright as well. Um, so that's, that's where I try to look at the overarching view of sustainability. Uh, then we could get into some of the nuances within the beef cattle world. Uh, but typically those, those nuances are part of a three-legged stool of uh, environmental sustainability, societal sustainability, and economic. So there's, there's kind of a three-legged stool, no matter where you kind of want to cross-section sustainability, and, and you could get into all different facets of it. But those are basically the three buckets that, that sustainability has kind of been lumped into, um, from, from a high level, but also, you know, particular to the, the beef cattle industry. For sure. That's, I think, um, you know, that's a more well-rounded definition of sustainability than what the buzz, the buzz usually is around it in the media. You know, we often hear mostly, it seems like about environmental sustainability. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about about societal sustainability and um, economic sustainability and, and the role that they have to play? 
I think those are, are a big, a big part of the stool uh, essentially. But of course, if one leg of the stool is shorter than the other, you're, you're going to have problems. So they're all a, a piece of the sustainability puzzle. Uh, and when we talk about, especially, you know, economics, that's something that is not talked about nearly as much on a sustainability level as really it should be. Because uh, the reality of it is my family's ranch has, has been in our family now for, as I mentioned before, five generations and over a hundred years. And if we were not economically sustainable, we wouldn't still be in business. You know, our, sure. our operation would still not, it would not exist. Um, so that's a piece of, of the pie of, we've got to continue to always work to be economically sustainable. Otherwise, um, we just, we won't be in business anymore. Um, so we could delve into the pieces of that. You know, if we look from, from the beef industry on their, their new goals and benchmarks that were released here this summer, uh, the way the way they talk about it, you know, and the, the kind of common goals is to create and enhance opportunities that result in a quantifiable increase in producer profitability and economic sustainability. And the benchmark they give is to do that by 2025. Uh, but reality is we're we're always working towards that. Um, you know, we're on on our operations if we don't continue to to strategize on how you know, we increase value and then essentially capture that value um, you know our business won't be viable for the next generation and and personally that's a lot of what drives you know me to get out of bed in the morning and keep working to make a difference in the beef cattle industry is I'm I'm looking at you know my my two little girls which I hope they have the opportunity to be the sixth generation on this ranch. Well, and so you, you mentioned about having the goal of being there by 2025 and for, for some operations like yourself, it seems like it's already happening, but how as an industry as a whole, are they making it so that, that everybody can, can achieve that by 2025? And is this for marketing? Is it for, just to make sure business stays there, what's kind of the, the goal behind the 2025 deadline? So I can't speak to the specifics. Uh, the, the frameworks are still in motion of, of this and, and how we truly do achieve those goals. Uh, but some of the pieces is looking you know, at the value of, of the beef produced in this country. Um, so say, you know, for example, our, our export market, uh, we don't realize the, the value that brings back to the farm gate by having our export markets. Um, the last, I believe it was the last data that I had seen, and it may have changed since then, but there's approximately $350 per head that comes back to a producer just out of sheer ex exports, beef exports. Uh, really? So, Yes. Yeah. That's um, it's not insignificant. So when we, we start talking about it, not only from a U.S. level, but a global level, um, we start we start seeing these you know, different different strategies and the things that, that we're doing and continue to make sure that we are are creating the, the value that we have of our product that we produce here in the U.S., which all the benchmarks say that U.S. has the most sustainable beef in the world. 
And part of that is, you know, between 1961 and 2018, we decreased emissions per pound of beef by 40%. And then we increased the pounds of beef per animal by 60%. Uh, so when you start doing that math, you know, the, the amount of beef that we are producing for each individual animal in each unit, we are becoming so much more efficient. And along with those efficiency scales, you know, of course we, there's always an emissions. And if we wanna you know, delve into the environmental side, basically. So depending on those you know, per animal, what emissions are being produced by these animals comparatively to the pounds of beef that we're producing at the end of the day, there's quite a bit that we can do on the farm level or the ranch level to increase those efficiencies. Uh, we know, of course, things that most generally all producers have been doing to increase their you know, animal, animal welfare, their animal health, their genetics, uh, their reproductive efficiencies. Because if we think about how many pounds of beef per, is produced per cow exposed, you know, that's a direct correlation between these efficiency measures. Um, so those are, those are pieces of the puzzle that are still being delved into, per se, um, to figure out how we continue to progress, uh, because we can't, we basically cannot manage what we don't measure. So that's, you know, we're at a point of making sure that we're measuring these benchmarks and progressing from there. So moving into um, the beef industry's sustainability goals that, and the, you know, the framework that they just published um, this past summer. Um, does, are those goals, do they take into account the extreme efficiencies that have been gained over the last, you know, 50, 60 years, or um, is it looking to get even more efficient um, as time goes on? It's really looking at the future, um, but of course we have to be able to benchmark with the past to measure our progress. Um, so you know, the, the stats that I talked about as far as you know, the, the reducing the emissions, but also increasing the amount of beef that we're producing per animal, you know, that's to this point. Um, so we're, we're going for, well, it was to 2018, but uh, just a few years ago. So now we're looking at how we, we progress even further which I think stands, uh, stands really solid for our industry that we're looking at ways to continue to progress um, and you know, publishing these goals and, and working towards these goals to, to make sure that we're, we continue to, to improve as, as a beef cattle industry in the US. So I guess what, what, who, I guess, who's making these goals? Um, is it consumer driven? Is it producer driven? Is it globally driven? Um, what, who, who and what are making these goals for, for our industry? Uh, so the short answer, Valine, is yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I could speak uh, millennial to millennial here. We're three millennials in the room of you know, thinking about this, this whole sustainability conversation, especially being driven from a consumer level, is wanting to, to make a difference and having a positive impact. Um, I know that's a, a common 
common trait you know, amongst the millennial generation. Um, and I don't believe that's any different, you know, with our millennial consumers and of course, you know, the other generations coming behind that, but they want to feel like we're, we're impacting, you know, at this point, essentially our food systems in a positive way. Um, there's, you know, there's questions about how, how we get there um, and maybe kind of the, the base understanding of, of the science, especially how we produce beef in the U.S., uh, but in general, the, the whole supply chain is working towards these goals. And if you look at the, the round tables, whether it's global or whether it's U.S. or any other country, they're, they're multifaceted stakeholders. So they're up and down the supply chain uh, working collectively to set goals to continue to, to be sustainable and improve and progress. So it isn't just, you know, one, one part, uh, of course, you know, within the, the beef cattle chain, particularly there's, there still is multifaceted stakeholders that are, are, you know, have inputs and uh, we're continuing to, to build a, a message and platform um, to improve our, you know, our food systems and our supply chain. And, you know, at the end of the day, our, our product uh, in beef. So what, I guess, what, um, what steps have to be taken? Do you think you can talk about steps specifically that like, um, producers have to make versus what the packers are going to have to do? Um, you know, talk a little bit about the stakeholders, the different stakeholders along the supply chain, um, and maybe what, what each of them might have to do to reach these goals. Yeah, that's an interesting topic, Catherine. Um, because at this point, you know, it's more of a collective goal, um, but we are delving into all of the different parts of the supply chain. So whether it's, you know, from the calf level onto the feed yard sector, uh, the processor, the supplier, et cetera. And uh, actually I was listening to a, a well, well-renowned animal scientist talk of how much they're delving into the research of what the individual impact is at each level. So you know, say the, the cow-calf level, um, you know, and the, the, maybe the methane that is produced, you know, with an average age of a beef cow being, you know, approximately 10 to 12 years old. Um, so, you know, the lifetime and life cycle of, of that, uh, but also balancing that against the fact that she is consuming these, these grasslands uh, and other, you know, non-arable places that we couldn't use for, say, row crop farming, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. So really not in competition for places where we're, we're growing food for human consumption. Um, but then of course, you know, you always have the, the balancing act of, of what that looks like. So there's, you know, there's a piece of that from maybe the cow-calf level. Um, and then you go in more to the, the feed yard sector and think about, you know, transportation of products into the feed yard, uh, water use, um, what were, you know, the individual pieces of that sector. And then of course, into the, the packing and the processing sector of, you know, water use of course is, is a piece of that, but all of their individual inputs into what it truly takes to get a pound of beef on, you know, a consumer's plate at the end of the day. Uh, or the, the retail sector and the packaging that's used um, and the environmental footprint of that, uh, there is, there's so many pieces and so many nuances that 
a lot of times, especially, you know, maybe a, a common consumer of our beef products don't think about at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that beef had to get from the ranch gate all the way to their plate. And there's a lot of steps along the way that involve consumption of resources. Um, so looking at those consumption of resources as, you know, a return or of, of that beef product at the end of the day and the nutritional value that it provides. Uh, so, um, you know, we could probably bore the listeners for a while just going into the individual pieces of that. Uh, but I have to say it's kind of a more, more overarching view of all of the different sectors of, you know, how that product truly did get to their plate and the resources that were consumed along the way and the balance of that nutritional product that we're able to consume, you know, even, even amidst those resources that, that were consumed to get it there. Well, and it's everything has a trade-off as we all know. Well, and it's amazing to me, you know, you start diving into, as we're talking about beef, all the inputs, like you said, and it, but that, that same input affects milk, it affects produce, it affects any of our consumable goods that we order too. And it's sometimes I think making these blanket statements of, well, we just need to be carbon neutral or we just need to, you know, there's a lot more implications along, along the supply chain that we don't even think about when we start, start this process um, and how, how it's going to impact consumers and, and what, you know, there's, there's also the, um, demand for, for more locally grown grass fed beef, it seems like, but to get to scales of economy, sometimes it's the bigger packers or it's the grain finish that reduce emissions, reduce water usage and that sort of thing. And how do you see, how do you see all that balance balancing out in this sustainability endeavor, I guess. Oh, well, my, my magic eight ball was broken <laughs> this morning. So <laughs> uh, we could, uh, I, I'd probably have to say I generalize more of, of what you said, Eileen, of looking at our food system in general. Um, and, and that's something I guess I'd challenge uh, even a common consumer of really truly delving into the fact that it doesn't matter whether, you know, the food choices you've made, whether you're vegan, you're vegetarian, you're flexitarian, you're carnivore, you're, I mean, whatever it may be, at the end of the day, something else had to die so you could live. And, and we don't think about that as much as I feel like we probably should as a society, um, you know, and giving it that kind of the honor it deserves and the fact that we're, we're, essentially the top of the food chain, um, you know, and so whether it was the, whether it was the kale that you're placing on your salad or, you know, the, the beef on your plate, there's, there was a life cycle that had to come to a stop. So your life could continue on. And uh, thinking about those from, you know, more of a, a systems aspect and, you know, at the end of the day too, reducing waste, uh, that's, that's kind of a, another topic of conversation of reducing food waste. Uh, just understanding that there was inputs that went into everything that we consume at the end of the day, whether it's beef or, you know, your, your vegetables, or like you say, your, your packaging, et cetera, is there was 
there's definitely an impact all the way from when it was first produced to when you consume it. So um, looking at that from reducing your, your food waste, especially uh, maybe, maybe more of an overarching view of it. Um, but yeah, we could, uh, like I said, we, we could, we could delve into the pieces of, of that pie um, if we'd like, but I, I do think it's kind of a more of a, a larger thought, uh, especially when it comes to sustainability in general of how we, how we look at that and how we try to, you know, do, do right today that way that we can continue on for future generations. I'm curious, Kara, have you heard any of what the feedback has been from across the industry sectors um, about this sustainability framework that they're, that's been, well, not even just proposed, but that's been laid out? Are, are people by and large agreeable to it? Or is there some grumbling among the ranks? I'd have to say it's more of a, kind of a, just a questioning nature of, you know, how we do get there. Uh, mm-hmm. We, as, as beef producers in, in general, we've continued to progress and innovate and, and be sustainable at, you know, our, our ranch level or our farm level, um, you know, but now we're, we're putting a framework around it. So how we, uh, how we, how we do that and how we execute it. I think there's still, we're still in the initial stages of what that looks like. Uh, but in general, you know, our, our industry is striving to do better. And this is one of those things that we're publishing to, you know, for the, all the public to see of we're continuing to, to progress um, and, and just be, be better as an industry and, and see how we do it. So uh, I think they'll, that we'll work out the, we're going to get the kinks all worked out and, and move in a, in a positive direction. But right now I, there's just, there's just some just questions on, on how we do execute, but. Kind of along the same line, but shifting gears, maybe a little bit, we had, we had kind of talked before we got started on the global, um, sustainable, you know, the Europe, Canada, how do those compare to where we're at? in the U.S. and are there some, um, if they're ahead of us, is there some roadmaps already laid out that we can piggyback off of? It is similar in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, every country though, of course, has their own different nuances and challenges when it comes to producing beef and therefore the sustainability of that. Uh, but if you just surely read the definition of the global roundtable, uh, they define sustainable beef as a socially responsible, environmentally sound, and economically viable product that prioritizes planet, people, animals, and progress. Um, so they may have you know, already delved a little further into these pieces of the puzzle. Uh, but the, the basic framework, you know, that basic kind of three-legged stool is still very similar uh, and of course, we've always had a seat at the table with the, the global aspect of beef production or sustainable beef production. So I guess who, I guess, who is on the global round table, global sustainable round table? Um, is that, you know, the meat export federation folks? Is it who's, I guess, all, all involved in that as well? So it's similar to like the, the U.S., uh, the, the multifaceted stakeholders. Um, you know, 
as far as going across producers, you know, the commerce or the processing part of that, uh, the retail part of that, um, the civil society piece, and then, you know, just the functioning of, of the actual roundtable and um, the allied industry piece. So it really is a multifaceted stakeholder approach. So we are looking up, up and down the supply chain, not necessarily, you know, just in the, you know, live cattle, beef production, et cetera. It, it is what it truly takes to, to get that beef product to, it, to the table at the end of the day. Well, very good. And Kara, this is, I think we could dive into another segment of it and have another full episode at some point. Um, but we thank you so much for joining us this week. And is there anything you would like to leave listeners with before we sign off? Kind of a, I'd like to leave a thought of, you know, it's not necessarily when we look at sustainability, a, a right or wrong aspect, but a, a constant improvement. And that's what we're striving for, um, particularly, of course, to, to my area of expertise within the, the beef cattle chain. But we, we are always striving for that constant improvement. And um, there's always the, the consumer piece of, of this <laughs> that we have a conversation around um, or that I do, you know, within having a direct-to-consumer beef business. But just in general having challenging consumers to, to really think about how those products did end up on their table and the, the families that placed it there for them. Um, that's, that's one of the, one of the beauties that we could get into of, especially a ruminant animal and the fact that they can graze these, these lands, um, and essentially return, you know, carbon back to the soil and, and just do things that we can't do in other parts of, you know, the meat, the meat chain, um, with, with the other protein sectors, um, these, these ruminant animals are able to, to do something that I was kind of like to call a, a superpower more or less of they're converting these unusable lands into a high quality beef product and a protein product for, to fuel you and your family at the end of the day. And that is one of the really cool things about them. Um, but with that trade-off is the fact that the reason they can do that is the, the composition of their rumen and the, the methanogens that are in there that they also do produce methane. Um, so that's, a why beef cattle and cattle in general have been a hot topic of conversation on the environmental front is methane production. Um, so that the fact that they're producing methane and then, then belching that out uh, about one time per minute is, is a topic of, of conversation and definitely something to think about from the environmental side. But the reason they are able to do that is the, the products that they're consuming with these grasslands um, that, that we aren't able to use other way, other places. So kind of the, you know, the power of, of the plains out here um, and allowing that to to produce a high quality beef product and something to feed your family. So just, just from a high level, thinking more about all parts of the chain and, and the fact that us as beef producers, uh, we're continually driving towards sustainability. And uh, we, we have been for generations. That's why family ranches like mine are, are still in, in the family um, and will continue to be, so. Excellent, well, spoken like a true cow nerd, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate that perspective very much. 
And where can our listeners find you, Kara? Oh, you could uh, just shoot me an email, honestly. Um, that'd probably be the easiest way to, to get a hold of me. Just uh, Kara at coloradocraftbeef.com would be the a straight line to me. Perfect. Well, we'll, we'll share that and tag you as well on social media. Um, listeners, we thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can, um, email us at talk to us at millennial until next week. We are millennial ag. Mm-hmm.